Hi, Keith here. The Rebel Civic Show on the Unsafe Space Network is an education discussion show on the principles of government, society, and individual rights. Today, I want to talk about Joe Biden's executive order, quote unquote, forgiving student loan debt. I want to explain why it's theft. It's transfer of a debt obligation from people who took on the obligation to other people, and it's by force. Government is by force. The English term for this is stealing. The debt doesn't go away. Looking at Joe's order, he uses the term forgiveness, canceled, relief. It's not forgiveness. It's not canceled. It's not relief. I call BS. So I'm going to get into three problems here. One, it's immoral. Theft is immoral. Taking other people's stuff is immoral, even when the government does it. Two, it's economically foolish. It's stupid if you think about it from an economic point of view. And it's unconstitutional. They have no authority to do it. So let's start by looking at the order. Uh, Beverly, if you want to pop up the uh, White House briefing. So this is uh, was released in August 24th. Uh, the fact sheet about President Biden's order. And this was done by executive order, not by legislation from Congress. Student loan relief, supposedly. Three-part plan. So 10000 in student debt for low to mid- middle-income buyer. Also 20000 in debt relief for Pell Grant. I'm uh, just going to pick a few things out, but this is, if you just want the facts on it, uh, what they say they're going to do, um, yeah, go to the whitehouse.gov. It's better than watching the news. And say what they actually said. Um, one thing I picked out in here that was interesting said nearly one third of borrowers have debt but no degree. This is according to the Department of Education. Um, that's interesting. You can imagine uh, a, a bank that loans money for houses that one third of the borrowers don't pay it off or never finish that the house. Um, it means that they're giving loans to students of marginal capability at best. Uh, A third of the people never finish, but they have the debt. So that's a sign that they're not actually giving loans to people that should be going to college. Uh, One third is is an atrocious rate to complete a goal like college. Um, Whatever their reason for doing it, um, for not going, and I'm not arguing that there's reasons to complete it. There's probably a lot of people get to college and they're disillusioned and they stop. And now they got this debt. Somebody convinced them to start something that when they got there, they realized they shouldn't have bothered with. Uh, Another interesting one, not to get into the race thing, but since Biden and the White House did, I'll bring it up. White House says the student debt burden also falls disproportionately on black borrowers. Now they got to throw in race. That's the latest thing, right? 20 years after first enrolling in school, the typical black borrower who started college in the 95 to 96 school year still owed 95% of the original student debt. That's a that's an astounding statistic. 20 years into a loan and they still have 95% of the debt. I guess forgiveness, quote unquote, is a thing because after 20 years, you think they ain't paying it back. Now, I don't know why they need to go into race and I don't want to get into racial differences, but is this because they're giving more loans to more black people who shouldn't have ever gone to college than white people? I don't know. But that's an interesting statistic. And it's also interesting that that's what they decided to put in their order. Uh, so anyway, there's a three-part plan here. 
I'm going to go through some of the plans. So targeted debt relief to address the financial harms of the pandemic. That's the cause. Well, they need a reason. He knows he's not actually legally allowed to do this. So they have to claim some kind of an emergency. Um, this is because of COVID. Everything's because of COVID now. So the rules here for this program, uh, there's 20,000 in debt cancellation to Pell Grant recipients. So those are loans held by the Department of Education. Uh, they're also, um, they're given out uh, based on financial need. Uh, financial need is more important than academic credentials for those kind of loans. Um, for um, non-Pell Grant recipients, uh, a lot of these are held private banks that are contracted and guaranteed by the government. It's still the taxpayer that's on the hook, spoiler alert. Uh, but those, they are going to cancel up to 10000 So they want to pick out one subset and give them twice as much of this cancellation. It's eligible for people, 125000 individual, 250000 for married. So that's interesting. When they claim this is for poor people, they can't afford to pay back their student loan. Uh, somebody that's married and has a, maybe they're raising a family, married and have a wife that doesn't work or a husband that doesn't work. The uh, person with the loan can make up to a quarter million a year and they need a uh, relief. They can't afford to pay their student loan. Somebody that makes a quarter million a year, married or 125K a year individual, should not have arranged their lifestyle to need a 10,000K debt relief, um, which means it isn't about that. The fact that they pick such a high number means it isn't addressing the, the households that they claim in the beginning. Um, make it more manageable for future borrowers. So there's a, another aspect of this is what they're doing in the future. They're cutting the monthly payments in half for, for loans. They're, they're changing the uh, cutoff from 10% to 5% of the discretionary income. Here's another funny one. It's based on discretionary income. So 5% of a borrower's discretionary income. Pay back the loan isn't based on how much you borrowed. It's based on your what they say is your discretionary income, which is based on your reported income. So this relies on people reporting their actual income and then calculating what the government claims is discretionary. And then you only have to pay 5% of that. So if you want uh, the government's view on whether college is necessary, Obviously not. They're saying you can spend 95% of your discretionary income on something other than your college debt. That must mean that this they think college is about as valuable as, as uh, getting one extra beer when you go to the bar. Um, all right. I'm not going to go through the rest of this. Um, but it's, it's um, uh, is ridiculous a good word? So it's astounding. I encourage you to read it. Um, fact sheet, President Biden announces student loan relief for most borrowers who need it most. Um, who need it most, huh? Okay. Um, next thing I went to the federal student aid. So this is the website that you can find out information about aid and apply. Interestingly, the header page says, you must repay your loan, so be sure you understand your options and responsibilities. How do you know when the government's lying? When they make up a website? It's a, it's a play on the, how do you know when a politician's lying? Um, they start with something that is patently false and absurd. Uh, 
Then they go through, this site has the different kinds of loans. There's direct subsidized loans. So that's based on financial need for, for undergraduates. Uh, that's where the government is subsidizing. Then there's direct unsubsidized loan, uh, which isn't based on financial need. Um, and that's also for, that's for graduate and undergraduate students. Uh, there's another program called PLUS, which is not based on financial need, but a credit check is required. Oh, how about that? A credit check is required? So I guess these others are saying there's no credit check. This is a uh, sub, very small, smaller subset of the program. They actually care about your credit when they loan you, when they loan students our money. Very interesting. And then there's a way to consolidate it for people who manage to score a bunch of these. Anyway, here's another um, website. It goes into uh, details of how to get your loan. Uh, I read through this. They're pushing college. They're pushing loans, pushing college hard. Um, and they throw the money and they throw the money in. And for extra fund, you don't have to pay a lot of it back. The uh, I want to look. The next thing I was going to show, uh, I want to talk about uh, this uh, this twenty year idea. So they say in that after twenty years, whatever wherever state you're at after twenty years of payback, then the rest of it's forgiven. Quote forgiven. So if you can manage to not have much income. It encourages having very little income. Low, lower income is better because your payment is based on your income, not what you borrowed. And if you can hold out for 20 years, then the whole thing's done. I think that's how people get to the 20 year point and still owe 95%. Actually, at it from an individual point of view, it's dumb to pay it off. Uh, it's it's uh, a bad idea to try to make more money. Um, the the in the uh, report it actually says it in the order. 16% of the borrowers are in default. Uh, that's a huge number. It's also a historical base because not a single person has had payback $1 since Biden's been in office. Um, this is all paused because of COVID. So all of them are on a quote pause anyway. So they haven't been being paid back. Um, the, um, the two changes in the payback rate I want to bring up, uh, discretionary it used to be 10%. That's the former. So they've only been charging people 10% of what the count is discretionary. They're going to lower that to 5%. Uh, also, they're going to change the balance for given year from 20 year to 10. So now you only have to hold out with a very minimal reported income for 10 years and you're done. Uh, this is a good deal. I'm for the people that can get the money. Uh, it's a scam, but I guess I would have to say somebody going to college, it's stupid not to get a loan. I'm not encouraging helping steal, but I don't know. If I had kids, I might be telling them, yeah, take as much loan as you want. Um, the, the, the titles of this, when you read the reading through this federal student aid and the Biden executive order, the terms they use here, um, I made a list of them <laughs> from these sites. Uh, forgiveness, it's forgiving. Uh, debt relief, they call it debt relief. Uh, they call it canceling the balance. They call it canceling the loan, cancel debt, uh, payment pause, and then the, the big one, racial equity. Very important. We have racial equity. Those terms are all lies. It's not forgiveness. It's not debt relief. It's not canceling a balance. It's not canceling debt. 
they are actually pausing payments, but the debt sits there. Somebody's paying the interest. This is just a wealth transfer program uh, and it's buying votes, but somebody's paying. These, these debts aren't going away. So those terms for it are all wrong. I made a list of the, uh, the impact. So I'm going to talk about what really happens with, with these. Um, this is a top 10. There's actually a lot of impacts. Uh, I limited it to 10, but I could have kept going. These are in no particular order. Uh, number one, it teaches your responsibility. So doing this is telling young people going to college uh, to be irresponsible. It encourages irresponsible ability. It encourages signing up for debt signing a legal contract, taking on debt, and you don't have to pay it back. Uh, two, it's going to increase the cost of college. Can't get away from that. That's a natural effect. The more money the government dumps into college, and this is the government dumping our money into college, the more college payments go up. Uh, I have another article here that covers that. And it's a Reason Magazine article. Uh, they go through an analysis here. One point they make here that's very good. So the university and the borrowers have incentive to cooperate and screw the taxpayers. For the borrower, it doesn't matter if tuition is 50000 or $5 million. The borrower will be repaying the same amount, 5% of income for 10 years, actually 5% of discretionary, but um, regardless of the size of the loan or the cost of tuition. So it doesn't matter how big a loan you take. It doesn't matter how much the tuition is. All that matters is how much money you make after you take the loan out. doesn't matter if you finish college. The university might as well raise prices. Of course, they're going to raise prices. And if you look at the trends in university costs, increased administration costs, increased rock climbing walls and nice pools and luxury student dining halls, like they have to attract students because the whole thing's a scam. So as the author says here, it's Robbie Suave, by the way, this way the university pockets more money and the borrower doesn't even have to pay it back. Yep. So that's, that's the uh, third effect on my list. Here's the article. Biden's Im immigration driven repayment plan will make college much more expensive. And uh, I'll, I'll digress slightly here, but I'll just mention his Robbie Suave's. This, this is the new reason, by the way, and I've been reading reason since the 90s when they were actually good. Um, reason now, uh, I call them the Beltway Libertarian. You hear that name or kind of left libertarian. Uh, their solutions is to get more government control of the universities and move to a system where the students don't take out loans. They pay a percentage of their income for the university. Um, the funny, funny ideas. Uh, okay, back to my list. So that was number two college costs will be increased by this change. Number three, inflation. Some of this debt, somewhere in the neighborhood of half a trillion, these various aspects uh, are going to be paid for by increasing the, the debt, the national debt. Um, the way that is handled is by printing money and borrowing money, both of which are forms of taxes that are somewhat hidden to people that aren't paying attention. Inflation is increasing the money supply that's the Federal Reserve printing more dollars that don't exist out of thin air. There will be some of that because of this. Federal government will also borrow some money because of this. That's a tax on future generations. So some of the burden of this goes on people that not only didn't go to college, but haven't been born yet. So sure, 
let's pay for college now and we'll put the debt on people that haven't been born yet. Uh, that's the easiest group to uh, dump taxes on. They don't vote. They can't even talk. Um, they're going to they're going to increase taxes. Uh, it's part of the purpose of the 87,000 new IRS agents is to go after uh, middle income people that are getting around taxes. So there's going to be an increase of taxes. All right. On my top 10 list, I didn't mean to take this long to go through it. Five, it's going to encourage more co college degrees, degrees of limited use. So if somebody else is paying for it and you don't have to pay back the loan. It reduces the incentive to pick a college major that produces good income to pay back the loan. It actually doesn't matter. So part of this, one of the effects of this program, I think we should expect to see more fourth century art history degrees, more gender studies degrees, and more PhDs in lesbian dance theory. Like that's a natural effect. If somebody else is paying for it, doesn't matter what you get. Uh, number six, it's going to expand the government loan program and the government debt. So this is all precedent. It's going to this is going to just be continued on. Everybody, people are going to look at this and say, "Oh, we have to do better next year." Seven. It'll set a precedent for future and even bigger forgiveness orders. It's going to be a requirement of the party that's doing this now because next administration. Uh, they're going to have to say, oh, well, Joe only did 10,000. I'm going to do 12,000. Like it's a one-upmanship. So expect this to set a precedent. This is not a one-time event, even if Joe Biden's order is a one-time. Number eight, teach kids that DC will step in to solve every problem, including your screw up. You screw up, don't matter. DC will step in and take care of it. Nine, It'll increase dependency on the federal government, which is really part of eight. I could probably could have combined them. But in general, it's encouraging people to be more dependent on the federal government. Number 10, it's going to increase voting Democrat in the midterms and in the 2024 elections. People that have been watching this show know I don't get into this politics. I don't really care all that much about the difference between the parties. Uh, but this is clearly some vote buying going on here. Um, and full disclosure, I've never been a member of any political party. I don't intend to join uh, a political party. Um, but this Mises Caucus thing is making me think a little more about that. But I've managed to make it to this age without ever joining a party. I don't see political parties as being the solution to anything in D.C. Based on my history of watching them. Anyway, uh, you can pause the screen. I'm just rambling now, Beverly. Um, so... This whole thing is economically stupid. Like, this is a dumb idea. So we have to think, like, what is the purpose? Because it's not it's not economics, not real true economics. Uh, it can't be. It's not really about the poor because the benefit is primarily to college-educated people, which are wealthier. You know, a bachelor's degree is, is worth right now, statistically, 1.2 million more in lifetime earnings. Um, so it's not about economics. It's not really about the poor. Actually, poor people tend to go to college less. Uh, they're shouldering more of a burden than the higher income people. So it's not really about the poor. Um, it's not about economics. So I can think of three possibilities. Uh, caveat, uh, I, I'm careful about speculation. And when I do so, I point out uh, I'm speculating here. 
Um, so one of the purposes is more money to colleges. It's certainly an effect of it. So I have to consider that possibly that's one of the purposes. Um, second, it's a cash windfall to college educated elites. Uh, have, you know, here, here's a group that's uh, going to get a big benefit of that. Employees of the Department of Education. I bet you there's a lot of people in the working in the Department of Education that are going to be a get a windfall from this. So that's who's getting the cash windfall from it. Again, I'm speculating. I'm not saying that that is their purpose, but uh, that is something that happens, and that could be one of the underlying purposes. Uh, third speculative purpose: it's payback to voters. Uh, from the last election because Joe Biden did promise to do student debt relief in his campaign. So it's a payback uh, and it's vote buying for the midterms and the 2024 election. Um, that looks like the most likely possibility for me, to me. Okay, next thing I want to get into is really the value of college. Um, so what is college worth? This program... Um, and society in general is really pushing people into college. Uh, you know, 50 years ago, only 5, 10% of people went to college, 5% in the 50s. Um, now it's something like a third. And a lot of people go to college that shouldn't go to. Uh, and I'm not saying no one should go. Um, I went to college. But there's a lot of people going to college that would be better off going to a trade school or getting a job or becoming an apprentice or doing a co-op program. Um, so we have to look at real, what is the real value of, of, the, of a college? Uh, first, and I think this is currently number one, um, college is a compliance test. It shows you're conformist. It shows you're a team player. It's a four-year ordeal. And people who manage to get through that, uh, it does mean something. It means you can sit down and shut up and follow a bunch of dumb rules, um, take tests, pass them, and do that for four years straight. So a company looking for an employee might look at that and say, does look at that and say, okay, this person will be a team player. They can go along with uh, what we want them to do. Uh, secondly, um, I think it has an effect of being sort of an IQ test. Um, it, there is kind of a cutoff. A lot of people start college and aren't really um, scholars you know, depending on the degree, they might change the degree, they might give up. Uh, so it is a really bad, bad version of an IQ test. Ever since they made IQ tests illegal for employers, uh, for those that you don't know, it is illegal to give somebody an IQ test and use that. Um, so you have to figure out if someone is intelligent, because if you own a company, uh, you're a manager, and you're hiring employees, intelligence does actually matter. That's a factor, but you're not allowed to use an IQ test. So a really poor substitute measurement for that is a four-year degree. So that's why you see people uh, looking for uh, an employee and they say four-year college required. The major actually doesn't matter anywhere near as much as the actual piece of paper that says you made it through. Uh, you did the ordeal and um, we, we see that as a sign. And that might be valid. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, Carter on his show has talked about hiring people for startups, tech companies he's involved in, was involved in. And uh, one of the stories he's he's told me was about hiring people uh, 
for that have a uh, MBA for a financial uh, position, a startup. Uh, so you get a new grad uh, MBA straight through, got a bachelor's degree in economics or, or, or and an MBA or bachelor's of finance and an MBA versus a guy who owned and ran a pizza shop for, for 15 years. Carter said, as far as a software company goes, take the guy that owned and ran a successful pizza shop for 15 years. He knows way more than a guy that just got an MBA. So that's an interesting story. Again, I digress. But I want to bring up something called the sheepskin effect. So I got another share here. Um, if you've never heard of this before, the sheepskin is the name for the college degree, the uh, traditional name. I guess back in the day they printed it on sheepskin. I don't know. Mine is on fake parchment from University of Maryland. But the sheepskin is a, is a name for the degree. The sheepskin effect is the income derived effect from the actual sheepskin. In other words, from the degree. Uh, this is a fun one to, to read about because uh, if you search for it, almost all the articles say that uh, it's, it's wrong. And it can be amusing to read why people say it's wrong. Uh, basically, university professors and Department of Education wonks and uh, Keynesian econo economists will uh, argue that it's false. Uh, a summary of it is it started the guy who made up the term. Um, he took a look at statistics in the U.S. for people who made it through three years of college and dropped out versus getting the degree in four years and found that the majority of the lifetime economic benefit of going to college comes after the four years. So if the education was what the benefit that produced more income was, if education was a benefit, then you should see an increase at one year of college, two years of college, three years of college, four years of college, about the same. Now you might argue maybe you learn a little more in the fourth year, I think I might argue, actually, I saw a lot of people sliding when they realized uh, they were going to make it. But overall, statistics is a great way to look at this. So what the original study found was that uh, it's an astounding difference three years to four years. So there's two theories, like nearly everything that produces economic benefit you learn in the fourth year of college. That doesn't sound right. Or just going through three years and not finishing, uh, what you learn doesn't actually affect uh, matter as much as as you would hope and what people claim. What actually matters is getting the degree, the piece of paper. Uh, so I looked at a bunch of stuff trying to find a good analysis, and I found this one that I really liked, uh, Brian Kaplan. Uh, this is a nice mathematical analysis. Sorry for the little bit of geekiness here, um, but he went through a large amount of data um, and uh, the, this general social survey with a degree. So he took statistics um, and he did several different versions of it. The most detailed one here where he's assigning weights and he assigned um, high school diploma, um, associate degree, bachelor's degree, and graduate degree. So uh, count those four as a benefit and then look at the year, years of education. So start with one year up through uh, PhD degrees. And he ran the stats on this. Uh, when controlled for the degrees, which is, you know, the, the four different ones he split it into, every year of education in his in his data 
um, he found that a year of education raises lifetime earnings by 2%. The degree, getting the actual degree, boosts earnings by round off 26%. So what this is saying um, is that if you make it through three years of college but don't actually get the piece of paper, and this is this is all degrees U.S. It's the general statistics. Um, doesn't matter what degree we're talking about here. Uh, getting the piece of paper statistically will give you twenty six percent. And he's rounding off all four: so um, high school, associate, bachelor's, graduate degree. Um, he did later. He splits it into the more advanced degrees, and it actually that shows a, a little bit bigger effect. So the more um, like uh, here, I'll show, I'll just do one more of these and then I'll move on. Like uh, a four-year degree is a uh, 46% advantage over high school. Um, and then an advanced degree, graduate degree is another 39% over the four-year degree. Um, anyway, this is interesting. This is talking about the value of the actual degree. So it's the piece of paper uh, as, as more than the years of education. Um, Gene Epstein, the uh, former, um, he was a writer on economics for many years. Now he hosts the Soho Forum. Uh, he's great. I watched him host a uh, debate at, at Porkfest this year. He taught college and he talked on a podcast with Tom Woods a couple weeks ago um, about an experiment he did uh, when teaching college. He became disillusioned with the whole thing. So he did an experiment after several years because he started thinking that the students didn't really um, didn't really care. Uh, you can you can pause this because I'm not going to talk about the sheepskin more. Um, he decided he's going to give a guaranteed C for anyone that signs up. All you got to do is sign up um, and then uh, at the university. And then he also did the experiment when he was teaching at City College, which was just a pass because they just said pass and fail. So you get a pass. Uh, if you just sign up for class, you don't have to come. But to get a B, an A or an honors degree, you had to show up learn something, take a test. Uh, you had to actually, you know, come to class and talk to them and learn something from them. Uh, what he found is that 90% of the students don't show up. They're fine with just getting this C. 10% come to class and actually tried to learn and wanted to get a higher grade. So here's a question. Does 90% of the people, maybe they actually figured out this sheepskin effect scheme and they know there's not really that much point in coming to class if it wasn't something they're interested in. Uh, Gene Epstein said he became a popular teacher that year. Um, the students did not rat him out. Uh, pretty funny, but no, nobody let him know. Um, but, but 10% did show up. So he's speculating maybe only 10% of the people should go to college. Um, my, uh, I don't think I've ever talked much about my personal experience, but I just thought I'd mention it. Like I did have a college loan. Um, I've got a loan to partially fund my first two years. Uh, it was at University of Maryland. Uh, at the time, I needed co-signer. My dad co-signed it for me. Um, I at, I did not want to get the loan. I was nervous. Like, I didn't want to go into debt. I thought that was a crazy thing. I just wanted to work and pay for college. Um, my parents weren't going to pay for it. Um, I thought it was interesting. I tried to tell them what my major was because my major was electrical engineering. Uh, I thought they would be interested in that. Um, they didn't care. So I could have majored in gender studies. I guess it would have been women's studies then. That was that was before the people who run 
the gender studies program lost the ability to define what a woman woman is. So it used to be called women's studies. Sorry for digressing. Uh, but it was only for a part of my first two years. Uh, I was also working part time. Uh, I got into a co-op program. So I was working a lot. It took me six and a half years to get my bachelor's degree. Uh, I worked uh, twice up to nine months full time. Um, for NASA and for RCA government communication systems as a co-op. So basically I was a technician. Um, towards the end of college, I was doing engineering work. I mean, I was starting to do design. Um, I thought at the time that if I wasn't doing that, I would not have continued through college because, and, and this is for an engineering degree where um, you can't get a job without the degree and you do actually learn some stuff that you need. So for engineering um, you can't get a job. I started out with my degree doing circuit design on laser film recorders for surveillance uh, printers, U2 printers. Um, no, you got to have a degree to do that. But what I found interesting when I was interviewing for jobs uh, as I was graduating, as uh, soon as companies I interviewed for a bunch, as soon as they found out I was a co-op and I had worked, I worked for a year at NASA on satellite um weather satellite stuff and then i worked uh four or five different stints at rca on uh laser film recorders um all they wanted to hear about was my work uh they didn't like did i get a degree yes what school university of maryland good no other questions about that um maybe yes a gpa i had a decent gpa but i think a couple people didn't even ask about that they just want to be sure I was going to finish. And then they want to know what I did. Like, that's what interested them. Um, I think intern programs, um, I've heard about one where you do a little boot camp for a year, one year of basic education, then you work for three years for a company and they give you a four-year degree from that and job with the company. I think we should be encouraging way, way more of that. Um, I see these people uh, whining about their lifestyle. And I only want to spend 5% of my discretionary income uh, on my college loan. And I can't pay my rent because my loan's too high. Uh, I wonder what their lifestyle was. Uh, not to complain, but I'd lived quite frugally through college. Uh, group houses paying very low rent. Um, I was working full-time as an engineer for nine months before I bought my first car. So I'm not trying to say a woe is me story, but just like to point out, it looks to me from looking at Twitter and these articles from fairly wealthy elite college professors demanding that we forgive student loans because of this and that and the other situation, um, they're not willing to live the appropriate lifestyle until they can pay off their loan. Um, I think that uh, you have to reduce your lifestyle. All right, because this is Revel Six, I want to get into the next topic, which is, is Joe Biden allowed to do this? So here's the question. Does Joe Biden have the authority to issue this order? No, of course not. I think even Joe Biden knows that because he said it a year ago. Nancy Pelosi said it a couple of years ago. Like, no, Joe Biden can't announce uh, forgiveness. So if you want to know what Joe Biden's allowed to do, you look at Article 2 in this handy little book. I know I'm pushing this. Please read it. It takes like an hour. I read it every July 4th. Article 2, Section 2 and 3. Uh, they're real short. It's, a, it's only a page in here. Uh, they list everything that the president is delegated a power to do. There's nothing remotely like this. 
in there. I, I reread it again this morning. Um, the only thing that's close, he shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. So if Congress establishes a law, he does have to execute it. Um, but this isn't about a law. Congress didn't establish a law for debt relief. So he can't do that. There's um, He can't make rechange the rules. So no, Joe Biden has no authority to do this. They claim, um, I looked up uh, what they think this is based on. Um, as I said earlier, they think it's because of COVID, because um, it's an emergency, um, that it's a debt relief. There is a law that says they can do student debt relief because of a war and crisis and emergency. And they say COVID is the emergency. Um, as a side note, COVID was not an emergency. The emergency was the lockdowns and the uh, all, all the various things that went along with that. It was the government's reaction to COVID that was the emergency. Um, but no, I just want to call BS on Joe. You don't have authority to do this. Uh, who else might Congress? Can Senate and the um, House of Representatives do this and pass a law and send it to Congress? No, I reread that too. That's uh, Article 1, Section 8. That's two pages in the little book. Um, and I went through them again. Just to see, like, did I forget? Did I miss something? Is there something in here that allows Congress to forgive debt? And then back up one step further. Is there something in here that allows Congress to implement a student loan program? And one step further. Is there something in here that allows Congress to set up and fund a Department of Education? The answer to all those questions is no. The entire Department of Education uh, is unconstitutional. There's no authorization to do that. The student loan program is unconstitutional. And Congress saying it's okay and the president saying this is an emergency doesn't change that. Emergencies do not change the authorization that the states delegated to the federal government in here. I'm going to mention one thing that I saw that I would entertain an argument, possibly. Um, Article 1, Section 8. Congress's job, one of them is to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia. Now, perhaps you could argue, uh, and the militia, this is when they're employed in service to the United States, um, they reserves to the states the appointment of officers. So this is the militia in 1788 when this was ratified. That's what we're talking about here. Uh, that is all the body of the people, all able-bodied men from 16 to 50 or so. Um, that's who the militia is. They're no standing army. Remember, they were adamantly opposed to a standing army. So when they say authority in training the militia according to discipline pres prescribed by Congress, so it leaves the training of the militia to the states, but it does say that Congress can provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining. So Congress can fund, say, an AR-15 for every able-bodied man. Uh, you could argue that this would allow funding uh, an AR-15 for every able-bodied man that uh, was in the militia and trained. Um, and perhaps you could argue that Congress could fund education for that. Um, so there's, if somebody wanted to try that, I might say, okay, I'll buy that. Congress can establish a Department of Education whose job is to do tactical and strategic training to the militias of the state for the people who join the militia. Um, 
I don't see how you can get fourth century art history and middle English languages degrees out of that. So as far as I'm concerned, no, they're not allowed to do any of this. And uh, we should just shut down the Department of Education, which, by the way, is the only way to fix this problem. If we really want to fix the schools, you got to start with separating the federal government and schools. So I got another uh, a quote I'd like to show you. So if you want to pop the slides back up, Beverly, this is um, uh, somebody I, I, I mentioned on one of the last episodes, George Mason. Uh, he's an interesting founder that a lot of people don't hear much about. George Mason is uh, often referred to as the father of the Bill of Rights. When Virginia seceded from England, which was way before July, uh, don't hold me to it, but I think it was May of 1776, March, April, May, in there somewhere. Uh, Virginia was one of the first states to secede. Um, Virginia seceded. They wrote a constitution. They became an independent state, and they had a Virginia Bill of Rights, which was written by George Mason. So when um, they did the actual Bill of Rights of years later, 12, 13 years later, somewhere in there, uh, they wrote the Constitution. Then they had the Bill of Rights. Uh, the Bill of Rights is based on what George Mason wrote. Um, when uh, James Madison, it was, he was the delegate uh, to the Constitutional Convention for Virginia, one of them. Um, and he brought the uh, Bill of Rights when that was done in the, the 1790s, 1791, I think. Um, anyway, George Mason is the father of the Bill of Rights. I'm going to quote something. This is a uh, this is from a memorandum he circulated after the Constitutional Convention. It's a great read. I encourage you to go check this out. And we'll put the links to this in the show notes if you go to the Unsafe Space website. Um, he wrote this, Objections to the Constitution of the Government Formed by the Convention. So this is 1787. So remember, seven, September 17th, 1787, is when they released the draft or the proposed constitution from the Independence Hall in Philly to the states to ratify. Uh, he wrote some objections to it. Uh, George Mason was one of the three delegates in the convention of Philly that, did, that voted against it, did not sign it. Uh, he didn't think it was limited enough. He was concerned that there was no Bill of Rights, that they hadn't uh, limited the federal government enough in, in some key areas. Uh, he was concerned about the welfare clause. He said that that is too open-ended, that wording, and a future Congress is going to abuse that and use it to uh, do whatever they want. Um, he was concerned about the supremacy clause, that that was too open, that they should have uh, clarified what that actually meant better. Um, and he was concerned about the interstate commerce clause. Uh, those were some of the things he objected to. But I, I uh, posted this quote, if you follow the unsafe space Facebook page. I think I posted this yesterday, the day before, but I love this quote. So George Mason said, this government will commence in a moderate aristocracy. It is at present impossible to foresee whether it will in its operation produce a monarchy or a corrupt oppressive aristocracy. It will most probably vibrate some years between the two and then terminate in one or the other. I said, damn, he nailed it. Um, how did he know? This was 1787, he said this. Um, he's looking at the Constitution and some of the ways it could be abused because it wasn't limited enough. And we'll leave this as a exercise for the reader. Uh, maybe we should have a poll on this. So did we vibrate some years? 250 or so now. 
uh, between these two. And do we have a monarchy or do we have a corrupt, oppressive aristocracy? Uh, seems like we have both. Um, Joe Biden's order is something that would come from a monarchy um, as if he is king. The Department of Education and the student loan program itself came from a corrupt, oppressive aristocracy. So uh, perhaps uh, if I was as smart as George Mason and around in 1787, I would have said uh, both. I think we got both and it does vibrate between the two. Sorry, I'm reading, reading, the, uh, reading one of the chats here from Andrew Thompson. I think I need to uh, absorb that uh, when I'm not on the air here live. But yeah, post it, post it in the YouTube notes and I'll respond to it, Andrew. Um, so, so George Mason's um, quote, I think it was valid. Uh, some of his objections to the Constitution were valid and we see that today. So the next thing I want to talk about is the benefit skew. So um, the benefits of this, uh, so the question is like, who is this going to go to, this forgiveness? Um, the, the beneficiaries, it, it benefits the top 10% earners as much as the bottom 30%, according to a study. I'm going to show you this study. Um, it's regressive. So this article... You go up to the top here, see what I'm looking at. American Spectator. Um, funny headline. Uncle Joe, I paid off my student loans. Can I have some other free stuff? That applies to me. I paid mine off. I had seven years. And uh, oh, thank you to the taxpayers when I was in college because I didn't have to pay the interest while I was in college. Um, and I think for six months after, I was in a program called the GSLs when I had guaranteed student loan. Um, but I digress. Anyway, uh, this study is really interesting to read. I enjoyed it. Um, let me find where I was again. Uh, this is uh, from, there's some links in here, and I uh, followed the rabbit hole of some of these links, but this one was pretty good, This uh, these economists here. Full or partial forgiveness is regressive because high earners took larger loans, and also because low earners balances greatly over state present values. So they're, the low earners balance is an overstatement of what they got out of it. So forgiveness and more forgiveness benefits in, in their analysis, the top decil, that's the top 10%, as we're talking about, as much as the bottom three decils combined. So this study is saying that the loan forgiveness benefit that goes to the top 10% of earners who took the loan is the same as the bottom 30% of earners. Um, that's interesting. So if you say this is about poor people, uh, actually it looks like it's about rich people. The, um, I'm going to say one, one more thing. I want to talk about the total here. So there's a question on, on how, um, how much is really the, the total relief here? Um, this is earnings. So what, what is a degree worth in lifetime earnings? This data is, uh, from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They're arguing education pays in 2021. Uh, that's true, it does. Statistically, education does pay. I talked a little bit about why earlier, but it does pay. So the Bureau of Labor Statistics is showing typical average weekly or mean weekly income from various degrees, from doctoral down to less than a high school diploma. So what happens with this 
loan forgiveness program is the people in this area up here have a significantly higher benefit from the program than these people down here. Uh, and these people are paying for it. So overall, this represents a transfer in wealth in this direction. So the loan forgiveness program, student loan program itself, because of um, not only, and I'm not talking about now just about Joe Biden's order, I'm talking about the total um, here that we're talking about. It's a transfer of wealth from lower income people to higher income people, statistically. Um, this is an article from the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. So they analyze this forgiveness program and also the repayment plans uh, that are part of this. And they say, combined with today's announcement, which is the, the uh, Joe Biden executive order, uh, the federal government's actions on student loans since the start of the pandemic have cost roughly $800 billion. Now, who pays for that? Not the students that are forgiven. Um, and he's saying $750 billion is due to executive action and regulatory changes made by the Biden administration. So, um, and Trump was uh, gone shortly into the COVID thing. So, so only 50 billion of this of the 800 total happened during Trump's administration. Not that I'm speculating about what would happen if Trump had got four more years. Um, I don't think he would have done this. Anyway, this is a this is a table. A question here is like when I'm saying this is theft, right? I hope I hope I hope I've explained it to people why this is theft. Um, how much are they stealing? That's an interesting question. So this from this analysis uh, from this committee here, uh, the student debt cancellation of 10K, 20K for Pell Grants, 10K for non-Pell Grants, um, that totals 360 billion. So that's going to cost 360 billion. It costs somebody 360 billion. Uh, th this new, um, this is the income uh, re income derived repayment plan IDR. Uh, that's going to cost another 120. So they're making changes to the repayment plan that is based on income, and the reason one of the reasons that causes costs money is because after a certain period of time, you don't have to pay anything back. It's done. So if you just hold off uh, for what used to be 20 years, now you only have to hold off for 10 years. So there's 120 billion there. And then there was a repayment pause because uh, not a single student loan pay has had to pay a single dollar since Joe Biden has been in office because of COVID, everything because of COVID. So there's another 20 billion there. That almost gets lost in the noise. We are talking about money where 20 billion is almost lost in the noise. There was barely enough room on the chart to print the text for what it is at 20 billion. So the total here, 500 billion. That's a nice easy number. So we're talking about half a trillion dollars, half a trillion dollars. So that's what this costs, half a trillion dollars. Um, that's how much is being stolen. All right, you can stop the share now. I'm just gonna rant for a little while and then close this out. So Al Capone didn't pull off a crime Anywhere close to this, he couldn't even dream of getting stealing half a trillion dollars. And he had he was in charge of Chicago bootlegging. The city of Chicago bootlegging during Prohibition, that was a pretty uh, pretty good income uh, at the time. Um, Al Capone didn't even come close to this. You have to go orders of magnitude down. Uh, this is a huge crime, and it's it's theft.
it's got to be paid back by people who didn't take on the debt. So the, the as I said before, like it isn't forgiveness. It's not debt relief. Like the debt doesn't go away. You can't just wave a hand. I mean, I could loan you 10 bucks for another beer at the bar and then then, then later say, ah, I forgive you uh, because it's my money to forgive. But the government is not forgiving their money. They're they're forgiving somebody else's money. It's not theirs to forgive. Uh, it's got to be paid back by people who didn't take on the debt. Um, some of them didn't go to college at all. Some of them worked through college to pay for it. Uh, some of them previously paid off college loans. Uh, there's a great um, Babylon B tweet, you know, showing this plumber. He's excited to go to work for, to pay for his neighbor's gender studies degree. And been seeing a lot of chatter about rights uh, from people who have no clue what a right is. Uh, education is a service. It's not a right. Uh, student loans should be private. We should separate government and student loans. Uh, that's the first way to solve this. And a private bank issuing a loan to a student, it should be based on risk versus reward. It's an analysis by the lender. Um, the degree chosen matters. The predicted students' payback matters. Uh, cosigners' financial history, if they require a cosigner, that matters. Credit risk matters. If that's how student loan programs were run, you wouldn't have 95% of the black people 20 years into their loan, or, or tip, excuse me, I said that wrong. You would not have the majority of black owners 20 years into their loan still owning 95%. You would not have a one third overall default rate on the student loan program. You should be private. Um, Again, student debt forgiveness, student debt canceling, student loan relief, payment pause. Those are lies. Those names are all lies. It's a transfer of wealth. I call BS on that. It's a transfer of wealth from one group to another. That's theft. That's called stealing in English. Student loan forgiveness is theft. If anybody disagrees with that, I'd like to hear the argument. So... This is this is stealing out and out. All right. I, th I threw out a lot of links at you guys there. Um, we'll put all the links on the Unsafe Space website uh, with the show. Uh, that'll be up there in a few days. Uh, Carter has to do that. Um, I encourage you to read them or read other things. And I welcome uh, discussion on our Discord group or uh, in the YouTube with the video. Uh, and maybe I got one of these things wrong. Maybe I said something. I pulled up some error. But I stand by the theft thing. This is theft. It's theft of half a trillion dollars. All right. Um, talk about next week. Briefly, uh, we recorded a show on the Constitution, starting a new series called Rebel Civics Classroom. Uh, we had four students uh, of, of various junior and, and uh, senior high school ages. And I did a about a you know, one block class on the Constitution. It meets the requirements of Constitution Day for anybody who hasn't heard of that. September 17th, 1787 was the day that the Continental Congress in Philadelphia finished the uh, proposed constitution and they sent it out to the states for ratification. Uh, it took until June of, the, of 1788 for nine states to ratify it. But Constitution Day was established by Congress as a holiday called Citizenship and Constitution Day. There's a federal law that requires all schools that accept federal funding to teach a block of the U.S. Constitution on Constitution Day. Um, 
they can do it on the week. A lot of people call a lot of schools call it Constitution Week, uh, but it's legally required if you accept any federal funding uh, to do that. Not that I would use a legal required by Congress as an argument for something, but um, I'm curious. I wonder if people know, do their children in schools that accept fu federal funding on September 17th of each year always get a class on Constitution? So what we did for Rebel Civics is we recorded a class. We're going to release it for the Rebel Civics show next week. Um, so it's out uh, a week, a couple weeks before the Constitution Day, Constitution Week. And if your school doesn't teach your kid this, you can show them the Rebel Civics video. Uh, it was, I know most of my shows here have been addressed at adults. This one was aimed at high school, junior high, high school. Um, I've guest taught the Constitution from sixth grade through 12th grade in uh, local schools a bunch of times. Um, uh, it was fun doing on video. So I encourage you to ask your school, um, do you do this? Uh, if they don't, maybe send them the unsafe space video on it. All right. So later this week, uh, tonight, actually, tonight, uh, Florida time for me, we got Dangerous Thoughts with Carter. Uh, I think he's going to talk about this school stuff, too, but he's going to he'll do it from a philosophical, more from a philosophical view. Uh, he probably won't get in the Constitution, but I will enjoy watching that. Uh, and then we got Token Minority Report tomorrow. Um, so anyway, thanks for watching. I enjoy the chat. Anybody who uh, wants to post on YouTube or uh, some of the other platforms. Um, and I find it or uh, say something in the Discord group. Uh, I enjoy uh, comments on that. And I know there's a lot of he lot here I covered. But anyway, thanks for watching. Uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. 
please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.